We have a guest today with us, and uh, if um, if you've never, he's only he's never been here. This is number five. Okay, remember this is number one. He was the youngest. He's not the youngest anymore, and so uh, this is Rhett Owen Rittenauer. He's the only Rittenauer in the whole group. So, and, uh, in other words, Jonathan and Danny's uh, little boy, and uh, we're uh, blessed to have him. He doesn't wear socks. Uh, ever, and uh, we're glad that he could be with us. But we referenced him sometimes, so I thought I'd show him off to you. And uh, so he's um, he slept 12 hours at last. Praise God, 12 hours sleeping. Yes, I mean he he went. He didn't have his nap, and uh, all day long. Can you can you wave and say hello? Say hi. Say hi. Okay, you're not gonna say anything. But anyhow, so this is little, his, he's red, but he's uh, little Jonathan, and he looks a lot like Danny. So anyhow, it's our pleasure to have him with you. I asked Robin to bring him in, so uh, she is a faithful wife, and uh, I wouldn't say servant, uh, or I, I want to live a little while. But, uh, she's a uh, great, she didn't have any problems showing him off, so, and uh, we, we, um, He's number five, so just keep that. Next time you see him, you'll know he's number five. And uh, number six was just born, I don't know, a month ago, perhaps. So anyhow, it's great to be in God's house today, and uh, I am grateful to be with you. You know, it's a double blessing for me. I love church. I love, I love being in God's house, and I, I love being with you. I love being with you. And uh, so... We're going to pray this morning, and I'm going to ask if uh, Sharon Cruz would just stand and her, her traveling compadres who will be going to Florida for fine arts. And if you extend your, your hands and your hearts uh, toward them in prayer, we're going to pray a covering of protection. Father, we thank you for the hard work and the diligence, Lord, that has been put into all of the skills and abilities that you've entrusted to these young people. We pray, Lord, that uh, they would be, Lord, um, uh, very instrumental, uh, these works that they've done in your kingdom. And, Lord God, we pray that the, the artists and the, uh, those who, in, who are involved will be used by you a lifetime, Lord, of advancing the kingdom. Be with Sharon and any of those who are traveling with her. Cover her with your, cover them all with the precious blood of Christ. Keep them safe. And, Lord God, I pray that they'll have a wonderful time. And, Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. And uh, for, it's a, a great family day. Are you, are you going right now? Wow. Great timing. We love you, Sharon. How many love Sharon? We all love Sharon. Amen. 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 Well, it's great uh, to have them part of our uh, youth ministry, fine arts. Sharon's been working with uh, the kid, with, with Linda, helping, assisting, and she's going to uh, assist with travel uh, this uh, week. So uh, this morning as we, we come into this place, I want to continue. Next week I want to talk about um, some uh, disciplines as believers that will make us, uh, help us to grow and help us to be strong in our faith and in our witness and in our service to the Lord. 
And so, but today I want to talk about being fearless. And, you know, I commend those who operate the, uh, the slides. You have them. Uh, and because uh, they don't ever know where I'm going. How many will pray for them today that God will help them? Well, they put, they put it up and then uh, they wait. Uh, there is the same ones as last week. I don't know if you have. Uh, and, uh, if you can repop those up. Uh, so uh, this morning, if there's any disconnection, it's not them, it's me. And so I take ownership of that. But we're talking about being fearless. And uh, God wants all of us to live fearlessly. He wants all of us to be bold. And he wants all of us to, to realize that uh, there is no fear in him. And uh, he doesn't offer fear, he doesn't give fear. And uh, as we get into the word here today, I want to welcome all of our guests. I know uh, Josh and Sarah have some guests and friends with them today. Uh, it's great to see Joe and, the, and his family uh, and, uh, with him today. And we, we're blessed, a wonderful testimony this morning. And uh, I don't know if this was ever brought forth, but... Um, and I'm probably not the person that should be doing it, but I'm going to take liberty this morning. Um, you don't mind, do you, Josh and Sarah? Where are you at? Nice. You don't care? They're going to have a baby. And uh, so, uh, you know, and uh, they, uh, you, you want to tell them when it's due? February 2nd. Yeah, and, and it could be triplets. You know, they could all... They could all be hiding behind each other. You never know. I mean, things happen. Amen. How many would just be blessed to see Josh and Sarah with triplets? I mean, I just, uh, it'd be a great thing. And anyhow, sorry. There uh, was a young man selected by God before his conception to be a, uh, a messenger, a prophet. And he was given a word from God for a nation and for nations. And his name uh, was Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah was a, a man who um, had a unique calling. Uh, he had to speak the hard words. Um, he had to bring forth a message of impending disaster should the people not repent, which they did not. And they were brought into bondage. So he was a prophet before, uh, before, during, and after the uh, time that they had been invaded and occupied and exiled. And, and so he continued to speak. He was a partner with Josiah, the young king. And we have a man, young man named Josiah here today. It's great to have Josiah visiting with us uh, here uh, Josiah, the young child king whom God used to bring reformation and to restore uh, the house. And uh, unfortunately, as uh, Jeremiah had uh, partnered with Josiah, Josiah died at the age of 39. He, he didn't live very long. And it was during his reign that the, the word had been rediscovered. And Josiah um, was the king. And uh, Jeremiah was his prophet, companion, friend, and partner in, in, in the reformation of a nation. And so as we look at this today, we understand that God raised up a prophetic voice. And God used up, raised up a prophet because a prophet was needed in that day. A prophet who would speak truth. 
a prophet who would be unashamed and unafraid to speak the truth. And yet, Jeremiah was a reluctant prophet, like so many in Scripture, when God called him. And we understand that uh, Jeremiah wasn't looking for a prophetic calling because he was a priest's son and he was being trained to be a priest. And yet, God had placed the calling upon his life to be a prophet. And it's interesting that in the governmental realm, God raised up a king, a godly king who went against the grain of his ancestors, and he began to uh, uh, make reform within the nation, addressing idolatry and all of the departures that had been uh, part of the people's lives. And at the same time as God raised up someone within the government to rule righteously, God raised up a prophetic, a prophet to be the prophetic voice of that time. And I believe that God can do that again, that God can raise up godliness in our leadership, right? And God will certainly always raise up a prophetic voice to speak to the people and to the nation. And our prayer today is that God will raise up People who are fearless, people who will serve in the government, people who will minister in the, in the, in the uh, fivefold ministry and the flowing of the, uh, of the prophetic voices and, and to move in an apostolic flow. Those who will be faithful pastors and teachers, you know, those who will be evangelists within the heart of God, that people in the church would be activated to be voices for God. I'm going to ask you today, will you receive the calling that God has on your life? If you have received it and you're moving in alignment with the call that God had for you before you were born, and I believe that God has a, an appointment for all of us before we were born, I don't believe God would create you if he didn't have a plan for you. If he didn't have a purpose for your life, you wouldn't be here. Because if God hadn't purposed you into existence and he didn't purpose you to accomplish the things that he placed over your life, then he would have never created you. And the sad thing is that those without Christ have no idea that there was a God, there is a God who lovingly created them with purpose. That God created them to serve kingdom purposes, not just to serve the temporal purposes that we serve, but to serve a kingdom purpose. How many know that this is really about the kingdom of God? Everything that we do is about the kingdom of God. It's not about the elevation of people or the glorification of a specific church, that the church universal is part of the kingdom plan of God and right down to you and I. You ever do Google Earth and you, and you zoom from outer space down to the very uh, dwelling? You know, that's the way it is. God places a calling over his church and that zooms right into you and God has a plan for your life. And so this morning as we talk about this, I'm going to read the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 1. And obviously we can't uh, go through the whole book of Jeremiah in one, uh, one sermon. Uh, but we can certainly give, a, give some uh, uh, insightful statements given to us in scripture. In verse 4, uh, it says, the Lord gave me this message. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. 
Before you are born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. In verse 9, he says, then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set over you the nations and over the I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy or throw down, to build up and to plant. You know, Jeremiah was a was God's prophetic voice. And he had other contemporaries at that time. But Jeremiah was a, was God's prophetic voice and he was to speak the word that God gave him. And you know, when, when we speak anything on behalf of God, it needs to come from God. Amen? Not what we think God would say or what we would like for him to say, but we need to be in tune with him and speak what he gives. Jesus would only speak what he had been authorized to speak. The Holy Spirit never spoke independently. He always spoke in perfect harmony with the Father's will. And any prophet, any pastor, any teacher, any evangelist, the, the highest calling that each have, and we're, you know, people are people and there are flaws and we work through those and God refines, but God's word is God's word. And what is, whatever is not God's word is not God's word. That might sound like a really dumb thing to say, but in truth, we have to understand what, what, that which is God's word is God's word, and that which is not God's word is not God's word. And so whether it's a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, someone claiming apostolic authority, if they are speaking a word and it's not God's word, they have no word worth hearing. And when we think about it, God gave us his written word and God speaks by his Holy Spirit through believers and he releases words of utterance, whether they're prophetic words, they're words of tongues and interpretations, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. God releases these into the body, but they will always be in alignment with the character of God's word. They will never operate in a different spirit They will never bear a different characteristic than that which is found in Scripture, in the whole of Scripture. He was to join in ministry with King Josiah. He was to call out the sins of Judah and those of the nations. He was to warn them what was coming. He was to call the people to repentance. He was to share God's future promises. And, you know, God always has a a hope for those who are living. You know, there's a hope in Christ. You know, it's not just hellfire and brimstone. You understand, certainly, I, I know that can be part of what is delivered, but ultimately, if the love of Christ is not at the forefront and the redemptive mindset and the anointing, the redemptive anointing isn't flowing through us, then we have not much to say because you know how many people will come to a, an altar when there's an event You know, you have an event or an evangelist and people come to the altars and sometimes they come in mass. And there are people who will come to the altar not so much because they are drawn to Christ, but because they don't want to go to hell. 
And there's more to it than that. You know, we have to be introducing them to a Redeemer who loves them and has something better for them than what they had before. And God chose Jeremiah to share a hard word. The word can be hard. You know, we shouldn't be shocked when the word of God is preached without varnish, but it should never be preached without love. Sometimes the word can be very direct. You know, Jesus spoke words that were very direct. He offended people. He confused people at times. There were those who didn't understand how they could eat his flesh and drink his blood. And they sat and talked among themselves and said, we have no idea what he's talking about. And many left that day and didn't follow him anymore. You know, that would have been considered a bad day in church when you preach a message and the majority of those there leave and say, I'm not going back. You know, we always have to keep in mind that Jesus was grace and truth. And the prophetic voice is always grace and truth. You know, it's not just truth. And I don't want to say just truth because truth is monumental and we're set free by it. But truth without grace would just annihilate us. You know, you remember that statement, you can't handle the truth? Well, I can guarantee you, every person in this room, including myself, could not handle the truth if that's all we had. Because in reality, in the Old Testament, they had the truth, and it was one miserable failure after another, and they repeatedly came and had to, to bring offerings to the Lord. The repetitive nature of the sacrifices indicated that they, they couldn't come out from beneath the yoke of the law. But then Jesus, in the fullness of time, came being full of both grace and truth. How many are glad for grace today? The prophetic voice has to speak graciously to people. doesn't mean you can't say. You see, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He was a man who spoke a hard word, and yet he had a broken heart. He had a heart that was broken for the people that he was uh, speaking to and, and, and warning He confronted them about their sin, their idolatry, their adultery, their indifference toward God, their casual nature toward God, their pursuit of Baal worship. He spoke to all of these things. And we need to have voices that will call evil out today. You know, sometimes we think that's not what God would want us to do, but it is because you understand John the Baptist, when he was standing at the River Jordan, had a message that was pretty clear repent and be baptized. The message in the New Testament church was one of repentance and and being baptized, following after Christ. So sometimes, you know, we're not to be the silent wallflower. We have to be the voice that speaks into the conscience of America, the anointed voice, not simply out of our own understanding and our own dogma, but speaking as God directs us. And sometimes, God is going to give us a message to share that we would rather not have to share, and we would prefer that God would give it to someone else. Has God ever called you to speak something that was difficult, and you're saying, God, I think I'm busy that day. I think I've got an appointment. What about Tom Ellicott? He could do it. He is articulate. He is a great teacher. He can say it. But God, just let me out of this one. I'll sit this one out. I'll, you can get me next time, God. 
when, I, when there's a word that everybody's going to run to and embrace, you realize that Jeremiah, if you look at it from the natural, his ministry was fairly fruitless. Few, redem- fruit, few redemptions, uh, few repentance, and yet God said, regardless of what they say, he said, don't, when you look at them, don't worry about it. Preach the word. That's our calling today. Don't preach something like the word. Don't preach the addendums that we add to it. Preach the word. You're not going to make kingdom advancements by being cute or having style points. You're not going to win that way. It's the anointing of God, and there's no substitute for the anointing of God, whether it be in the ministry of his word. And understand this. We pray for God's word to be anointed. Understand, you you don't really have to. Because the Word of God is anointed. It's we who need to move in alignment with the anointing. We have to speak in the anointing. We have to listen. Have you prayed this morning that God would allow you, your ears to, to be so anointed that you would be perfectly aligned with what His Word delivers? Well, as we, before I get real deep into this, I want to say this. I, 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 want, I want every person, you know, Jeremiah did not seek the prophetic office. God called him to it. Jeremiah was going to be a priest. Hilkiah was his father. Uh, you know, Jeremiah was raised in a small town just a few, uh, a few miles from Jerusalem. And so the course of his life from his understanding was pretty much set. And some of us are sitting here today, and we think we've got it all set. And i got to tell you something. If you really listen to the Holy Spirit, you get in the Word, He's going to turn your world upside down. There was a few that bought that. I want to tell you, He's going to turn things upside down. But kingdom perspective, it'll be right side up. But for you, it'll be upside down. You know, uh, Jeremiah was doing what he had planned to do, what he was raised, what was expected of him. Some of you are doing what you're expect, what's expected of you. You're applying your trade, you're doing your thing, and then God says to you, hey, I got something else for you. How many here will say, God, I'm living in a critical day when the world is lost in darkness without Jesus, and the world has to have those who will say, Lord, I take this calling if that's what you're placing on me. And God places a calling on everyone. Oh, well, you say, I'm not, a pre, I'm, not a, an, uh, I'm not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You say, that's not me. I want to tell you, there are elements of all of those things that God wants you to move in. We have an apostolic authority in Christ, right, through the, through the word of God. You know, I want to say, too, here's the thing. We need prophetic voice. We need prophets to speak. But here, you know, and I've had to really pray through this because there, for a while, I had become very skeptical of prophets and the prophetic and all of this stuff because sometimes the prophetic calling or the prophetic gifting is, can be hijacked by personal agenda, by someone's own point of view, you know, and that part of it I found to be very distasteful, and I find this part to be a a little challenging, well, a lot challenging to me. I don't want anyone force-feeding me a prophecy. You say, what do you mean by that? Don't, 
if, if it's meant for me, there's this holy, I, how many here spirit fill, you know, this Holy Spirit in your heart, you're born again. If it's from God, he'll bear witness of it to me. And I don't need you sitting on my head telling me you need to receive this. It's from God. Because if it's from God, there's a several trademarks or earmarks for anything that's from God. Number one, it will always glorify Christ. Always. It will always glorify Christ. Secondly, it will always be ministered in love. People don't use, you know, you say, why are we so concerned? About, I'm, not, I'm not any more concerned about the prophetic voices I am for those who speak in tongues. Because there were, there were instructions and corrections in the word of God to those who spoke in tongues. And we are told also that the, that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Meaning that, you know, sometimes we speak out in our flesh. Say, so that's not the way I interpret it. Well, it's subject. If the spirit is subject to the prophet, it means it's, it, it, it's under your control. And so when you look at it, I, I want to, I, where God's raising up pro, those speaking in a prophetic voice, he's raising up those who will minister the prophetic. But you know something, I'm telling you this, don't, I am neither fearful nor do I accept everything that comes my way. Does it glorify Christ? Uh, it, it, does it, is it ministered in love? Is it, is it consistent with the character of God as revealed in the word? Is it consistent with the character and the context of Scripture? Does it build me up in my faith? Edify, that's that word, remember? So you say, well, what do I do? Have a checklist and go down? No, you just keep those things in mind and the Holy Spirit will bear witness if they hit the mark. I want to speak for a moment to any young person. I'll get back to the slide. Any young person. Any older person, any middle-aged person whom God is calling you into ministry, you say, it's not what I planned, I have a career, I have a, 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 I have a job path, I, I'm doing what I want to do, and, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm pretty set. And you can probably do all of those things and still host the call of God, accommodate the call of God. Or he may say, I want you to leave all of it to follow after my call, to serve my call. If you, I've heard people say, I want to be a preacher. And I've told them, you, you, you understand, that's a wonderful aspiration, but there's a calling that God places upon your life. And sometimes the only thing that will keep you doing what you're doing when you're pastoring, when you're serving in prophetic office, evangelistic, whatever you're doing, teaching, is to know that you're where you're called to be. Because you're going to hear a lot of voices, you're going to go experience. And God has done a work in my life. I don't know whether uh, it, because it's, I'm getting older, but I'm, I don't get as worked up over things as I would have. You know, there have been many people who have encouraged us, many people here, many people who have stood and, and, and really prayed through for us. It cheers my heart when people says, Pastor and Robin, we want you to know we're praying for you. And we pray for this church body. We pray that God will move in the needs of this church. But you know something? And there have been people who have affirmed the word of God released into the church. And that's always an encouragement. But you've got to know your call. You've got to know there's a calling on your life. And it's not a spooky thing. 
God will usher you into, the, into an awareness and he'll usher you into that calling. And he'll equip you in that calling. But here's a thought for you. I've had people who have encouraged me, but I was sitting and I was thinking this morning, and this isn't, oh, poor Pastor Rick, let's, this is nothing to do with it. I'm just telling you, I'm standing here because I know God's called me, and I'm happy as a lark. But here's, I'm just thinking back, but all the people that have invested in my life and spoken into my life, correctively at times, encouragement. But then there's those times when people have said you're an now, this is over 37 years. You say, it didn't all happen here. 98%. No, I'm just kidding you. You're annoying. I've had these delivered either in person or email. You're annoying. I tolerate you. You're not fired up enough. You're too fired up. Your ministry's not my style. And one of the most complimentary ones was, your ministry's repulsive. I'm just reading. I can't read my writing. That's another weakness here. Uh, I, I had someone call me out and, uh, after church, and I walked over, and they said, I just want you to know you can do a lot of things, but you can't preach. You can't teach. And then you get these comparisons to someone who can. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, over time, it's... And, you know, it, it can... If you, had, if you deal with that in your daily life all the time, you'd, be, you'd, you'd start having a problem, Right? But over time, you know, you, you, here's, uh, you preach too long. You preach, they never tell me I preach too short. Uh, you're too seeker-friendly. You're not seeker-friendly enough. You need to preach what, I, what they're preaching over here. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you got, let's see, what is some of the, I can't read this, Robin. You, you don't need to come up. Don't, you're not in here, are you? If you're not in here, I guess you won't answer me. But... Uh, now oh, you get the trick. Let's see here. Um, yeah, I think that covers some of the. Oh yeah, and then you get the the personal letters, anonymous, not signed, telling you that there are a lot of people who want you to leave. You say this is. I'm just telling you this because if you want a pastor, you might want to make sure you're called. You get emails, you're not, you're, not, you're not qualified to succeed or to, 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 do, to, to carry forth in this. I got to tell you, this, is, this was here before I came. I, I went over, I was in the office in Waynesburg as, as I was closing things up. And I got an email or a, a, a letter, handwritten letter to me. And I was, you know, I'm standing there talking to the secretary opening mail. And I'm reading it and she's asking me questions. And I'm, uh, what, what? And uh, saying, you should not come here. And there was a lot more to it than that. You say, why are you replaying all this? I'm just telling you because I have victory today. I'm not living in a victim mentality. And as, if you're going to be in ministry, you've got to break through that. You have to break through that. You have to break through that. Because I can honestly tell you, there are times when you sit down to prepare a message and you're thinking, Lord, why? You know... I can't preach. I can't preach. I'm not fired up enough. I'm, not, I'm too fired up. I, nobody said much about sweating. Some, well, yes, they have. They said when you're sweating, you're anointed. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. So anytime, Robin, are you here? 
Oh, you're in the back. Come on up here. I'm insecure. Uh, you just remember the next time I'm sweating, it's because I'm anointed. Don't question me when I am. And I share that with you, and I'm okay to share that with you. People say, oh, it's all he's so, he's so. No, it's nothing. Because you understand, I've been here seven plus years. I got to tell you, I didn't know if I was going to make it through the first year. And those of you who are here, you know what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you, uh, God has proven faithful. You remember Jeremiah, that guy we were talking about? He was thrown into a cistern. He began to sink in the mud. I mean, they, they, they abused him publicly and they mocked him. And, you know, you got to imagine Jeremiah's like, what? But God gives you something. And if you're called, God will give you what you need to persevere where he has called you. And, and to, you know, sometimes you just got to get back to your calling. And Jeremiah had to know. He, he had already been told by God, I put my words in your mouth. So they weren't rejecting you. He wanted Jeremiah to know that they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting my word. He said, my words I have put into your mouth. You know, he said, stop saying I'm too young. You know, nobody's too young in this room, and nobody's too old in this room. There's no such thing as too young or too old to serve the purposes of God. I don't know. I don't even know where the slides are. Can you just put the first point up? <laughs> you say, good grief. Your first point, you say, it has a big one in front of it. I mean, I'm not saying that for you. I'm saying that for me. God's call. How many appreciate these guys? They, they should get paid twice as much as what they're being paid, you know. And if you're wondering how much they're being paid, they're not. God's call sometimes would uh, seem uh, to be a waste of human resources. Why would God call someone to go into an impossible situation? He said, whether they listen or not, you're going. You're going to speak my word. And Jeremiah went and, uh, you know, he, he went there and he served the purpose of God. You know, if you want to look at him and say he's a failure, I guess Stephen was a failure, right? He, he, you know, if you look at it from a human perspective, he, he lost his life. He died for that faith. Where was his God at? Jesus hung on the cross. I said if he's really who he says he is, he'll command the angels to come and get him, or he'll just come down, he'll ask the Father, he'll get him out of this mess. And yet it was God's will that he died. I'm going to just share this real, real little story. There, I was a little league coach at one point, and there was a little boy on the team. He was, he was always in trouble, always in trouble. I took over midseason because the, the, the manager, he, he, got, he could, had a nervous breakdown and he quit. That's true. He just one day said, I'm done. These parents are eating me alive. Handed me the bat and the balls, the sack. I said, are you sure about this? He wasn't a Christian, or I would have said, did you pray about this? He handed me the stuff, and I just determined we were going to have fun and enjoy this thing. We were going to try to do the best we can and enjoy it. Because no one was going to be shocked if we lost, because we had lost all the other ones. So it wasn't going to be like, hey, he came in and wrecked the whole thing. 
when we came in, and, and, and that little boy who, who was a problem child, he was destructive in the dugout. He was always being yelled at, which he needed a lot of times to be firmly corrected. And so, uh, anyhow, that boy, he, he never got to play. I mean, he would always, you had a rule that they had to bat, well, maybe, I don't know if they had to bat, they at least had to play the field one inning. And he always was put into the game when, when we were so far behind or we were so far behind. And he was put in, and, and, he, and I said to him, uh, you're, you're going to bat third today, and you're starting. He's like, what? He says, I can't do that. I said, oh, you're going to. You're going to do that. And so there were two boys on that team that only got in when the game really meant nothing. And I went to Jonathan, who was on the team, because that's what dads do. You follow your kids around. And I went to him, and I said, you're sitting the first three innings today. Yeah, what? And so that boy, he went up to bat, and we just coached him up. And I said, you know, I don't care what you do. I mean, I do care, but I want you to have the, I want you to go there. This is important for you, that you get up there and you bat when it means something. If you strike out, you've done what you were asked to do. You've done, you've fulfilled your call. He got up there, and uh, fortunately, the pitcher was a worse pitcher than he was a hitter, and he walked. Yes, he said, yes. There's hope for our team. See what he just did? And uh, so, anyhow, it was life-changing for him, at least in that moment. He stood on first base with a big smile. I mean, it didn't do any good. The next guy struck out, and the inning was over. But, I mean, he got to stand on first base. God told Jeremiah, I want you to go there. And sometimes we are told to go where we're not guaranteed anything other than that God will be with us and that God will minister in that situation. Everybody thinks the instant formula is, is boom, it's just growing out the, the ears. It's not always happening that way. Sometimes healthy things have to be, there has to be a plowing and a, and a sowing and there has to be watering and then God brings that increase in. And you know, I don't know, sometimes we get called into what would otherwise be the unglorious situation. No win. Jeremiah went into this and yet God sustained him. I'm going to, I'm going to, believe it or not, I'm going to close. I'm not saying what day, but uh, I am going to close. So Jeremiah, think about this. I shared it last week, and it's important again today. Jeremiah had a lot of reason to cry, not only for the nation, but for himself. His family members turned on him. You remember, his family turned on him, Jeremiah 12. They turned on him. Nothing hurts worse than when those you're close to turn on you. And he experienced that pain. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword that a man's enemies will be those of his own household because when you live for Jesus, you're going, there's going to be conflict. How many know it's not easy street when you, you, you're saved? It's the greatest walk on, the earth, on this earth, walk with more peace and more joy, more hope than you'd ever know any other way, and yet, you know what, the, the spirit of the world is going to challenge that. Don't think it ain't going to challenge it. You had a bad day. I want to tell you without being insensitive, 
because I don't know what your circumstances are. But get over it. People say, get over it. Well, that would be an impossible thing for any of us if it weren't for God with us. You know how you get over it? Hold his hand and he'll take you through or over. You don't have to make it on your own. Just take his hand. And Jeremiah knew that God was with him in that manner. Jeremiah lamented uh, Josiah's death. He lamented that a message was rejected. He lamented that the people were going to be judged. You know, some people like to just preach and hammer people. And they just get, you know, it's like, yeah, I really la- I laid it on them today. What does that mean? That's not the call of God to, to, to pummel people into the ground. But that doesn't mean that we don't preach the hard word now. And Jeremiah was a man who preached hard word, yet he had a tender heart. So it's important that whatever you do in ministry, that your heart's tender. How many know it's not how much you have here, it's the condition of your heart. There are a lot of smart people that are missing a lot of things that, uh, uh, well, a dummy might uh, have more of a clue on because their heart's tender. You say, oh, you're calling someone a dummy. No, it's always that other guy, not you. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Those will be... Uh, you know, after, uh, and here's what I want to, uh, now I am going to try to get the, uh, get the uh, slides finished out here. I'm really, I, I prepare so much. It's like my mother, you know, I go to her house and uh, she, she fixes all this food. I mean, and then, you know, and then she has the audacity to kind of try to subtly say, hey, Rick, you really need to watch what you're eating. You're going to hear a prophetic voice today. We're going to have people who are speaking. The Bible says that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. He said your sons and your daughters will what? Prophesy. Come on, church, prophesy. That means that there are young ladies in here that God wants to speak through. And you shouldn't be ashamed. You shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid that you're not capable. You should not be afraid that you've never done it before. You should not be afraid that you might fail. Because if your heart's tender toward God and, you're, and you allow that, that call of God to just come into your life, you're going to speak with a boldness and a, and a fearlessness. I'm looking at these four. You're young too. Five, five young ladies that Tim's sitting with. Wow, you got a lot of ladies in your life, Tim. Bring you, you want more? Oh, I thought you said you would bring them on. I thought you were telling your wife. Uh, wow, it's kind of bold in church, isn't it? Uh, in a critical hour, the Lord released a word to Jeremiah that would advance his plan. The word of the Lord came to him, and with a satisfying assurance to himself that it was the Lord of the Lord and not a delusion, God told him that he ordained him to be a prophet to the nations. He was going to speak the word that would tear down, and he would speak the word that would build up. You know, sometimes the truth will tear all the bad stuff down. All the worthless stuff down. How many are open to letting God's word be hard enough, bold enough to speak to the things that you don't want 
him to speak to so that he can tear them down so that he can build you up. See, that was God's plan even for the people he wanted to tear down and to remove. But unless somebody is speaking out, nothing happens. You know, Jeremiah spoke through three kings, through the the ministry of three kings, and he persisted. God wants you to have a tender heart. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This will give you a great hope. Just stand, change your posture. God wants you to have a tender heart. Jesus in Luke 19, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. God wants us to weep over our cities and our communities, not because they're without hope, but because we're so touched by the passion of God that we can't allow ourselves just to go on living an indifferent life toward what is happening toward those without. Know that you were known before you were conceived. He says, I knew you before I formed you. I'm so delighted today that God knew me before me. He formed me. In my mother's womb, before I was born, he set me apart and he appointed you to be whatever God calls you to be an evangelist, a pastor teacher, prophet to move an apostolic ministry God's called you God's called you every person I believe God has called to do something you know you may speak prophetic words. It doesn't mean you're a prophet. It just means that God has given you that gifting and ability, but you may be. You may be. God has given me words at time, and I'll accept that prophetic anointing, but God's called me to pastor people, and there can be some things that God joins. You know, Jeremiah was uh, was a priest, going to be a priest, but God also made him a prophet. So God's not just because you're doing something doesn't mean God can't give you something else or bring it to your knowledge that he has this plan. The call of God is sovereign. Don't worry about it. People say, you shouldn't be doing this. See, Jeremiah was a young man, and the people respected the voices of elders, and you should. But you had a 20, 21-year-old guy speaking prophetically. you got to think he's speaking into a culture where age is revered, maturity is revered. And he calls him, and God chose him. Sovereignty means God can do whatever he wants. God can call whoever he wants. God will equip you according to his faithful word. He rules over all things. Don't be afraid to fail. Come on, church. How many have failed before? You know, that boy that... uh, that walked and got on first base, he never showed one thing in practice. Never one thing. He was there, but he showed nothing. He couldn't hit the ball. He couldn't catch the ball. He had a very, his attention was terrible. And yet, you know what? He had to overcome that fear of failing to see that he was more than that. The call of God is irrefutable and indestructible. Indestructible. I'm going to ask for just a moment if you just bow your head and raise your hands before the Lord, the call of God. Raise your hands as though you're going to receive something today, because I think you are going to receive something. 
The call of God comes with a divinely authored word. Jeremiah said he reached out, touched my mouth, and said, look, I put my words in your mouth. God is raising prophets and people who will speak his word fearlessly, knowing that he has called and he has put the word in their mouths and that he will be with them. We don't speak of ourselves. We speak of the Lord and the things that he has given. Fearless messengers endowed with boldness and humility, righteous anger and redemptive presence, the hard word and the words of peace, the call to repentance and the invitation to redemption, the call to tear down and the call to build up. God sees the whole picture. This morning, you know, I, I, want, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of God in my life. I need to have that. You know, I can tell you something has transitioned, and I don't know if you've seen any evidence of it. Um, you know, in spite of uh, the eye issues and the other things that have happened, God has just given me such a confidence in Him in a confidence in myself that God is in me who has called me and will equip me. And I share what I shared with you this morning, not because I want the focus on me, because I don't. I don't. But I want every person to know that if you answer the call of God, you're going to have some rough rides. But it's okay. God's going to get you through. God said he would have his hand on Jeremiah's shoulder. He'd keep him. So don't be afraid of that. I can tell you, I wouldn't be able to speak what I'm speaking now and to know what I'm knowing now. And God could not release through me the things that he desired if I can't get past the little things. And they are little. They are little. Because God has bigger things for you. If you're here this morning and... uh, I'm just going to ask you to do this. I realize we're talking Delta, we're talking, uh, you know, Delta, United, Southwest, all these things. But I want to invite you here just for a moment. If you're a young person, older person, and you say, God is stirring the calling and the giftings in my life. And I believe that they relate directly. They are relevant to the world that I live in today. And they are crucial and they're critical And I need them. I need them. I need to move in the calling of God. It's getting late. It's getting late. I'm going to tell you, it is getting late. And, you know, we're not going to just sit back and watch the world die lost. We're not going to. How many Jeremiah's do we have in the room here? God is saying, I've called you before you were conceived. And, you know, today could be that moment where you publicly embrace what God has called you to do before you were conceived. And I want to pray with you. You know, when I, when I was called into ministry, it wasn't because someone told me I should be a preacher or, you know, you can do this and you can do... Here's what it was about. I, I, knew there came, I knew there was a stirring in my heart. I received scriptural guidance and prayerful uh, support. And there was that day when I absolutely, the heavens opened to me and I saw that there was a calling upon my life that I would give my life to. And I would serve in that calling wherever it took me. 
I'm going to ask you this morning, if you are here as these guys lead us in the songs, if you would just say, you know what? Two things. Either the first time today you publicly embrace it or you reaffirm in your heart your commitment to fulfilling the call of God on your life. So we'll just take a few moments here. And uh, if, you, if you need prayer, there are those praying at 5 o'clock here, inter- making intercession. They'll pray for you. They're very faithful. Amy, under her leadership, they're faithful to pray for those who need. They pray over the church, the community, the nation, and the needs. And, um, and if at any time you come into church, you're here early, one of them will be available to pray with you. If you lean special prayer and you say, I don't want to wait until after church. I need it now. They'll pray with you. But can you take a few moments here? I want to, I wanna, you know, the world is ramping up fear again. We have this fear that's ramping, and the church has been hurt by it. The church has been hurt. It has knocked the church back. Not that God won't build his church. It's going to prevail. But I'm talking about local churches. They, they have suffered because of fear. And I'm going to tell you, if you're here and you've ever posted anything about the silliness of this fear on the, in the Internet, I'm going to ask you to be among the first to take a stand up here at this altar. Because otherwise, it's just commentary. I'm going to invite you to come and lead those and say the truth of God's word, the call of God's word is greater than anything else. Would you, would you just come and, you know, if you're a young person, you say, I feel like God might be calling me. You might at this point say might, but God will confirm it if it is. I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Rick, uh, if Rick and Kathy stare here, they have a special need. We want to pray for you. Uh, but would you come to this altar just for a few moments? My life was changed at an altar. My destiny, my, God's plan was, was confirmed at an altar. I want to invite you this morning to say, I I embrace it. Maybe you already know your calling and you're serving, but you say, I could use a little more fuel. I could use a little more fuel. I'm not afraid of Delta. Come on, church. How many say, I'm not afraid of Delta? Because he has his hand on my life, and I... I know who Lord is, right? That doesn't mean we don't use wisdom. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that we, we're not going to live in fear. There are a lot of people who have not been back since this all started. I talked to some, and they said they're just not comfortable, and I respect them. I do. I respect that. But you can see things are ramping up again, and we as the church, we need to have learned something from the first go-around. That God is still God. God is still God. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.